Buenas noches, palomitas. Soy yo, Mixtape Monstrosity, host of Bring Your Own Candy Corn. We're back for part two of the Spooky Season Spectacular Special. In part two, we've got three awesome interviews with three awesome guests. Coming up first, we're going to discuss a 2005 psychological thriller with comedian and writer Melanie Ford. Trigger warning on this interview and this movie, we are talking about hard candy, which does feature some very intense, heavy topics. After that, we'll be talking to filmmaker Dustin Harmon about a 2005 horror film that was a remake of a 1979 horror film that was a portrayal of an event that happened in 1974. And for our final spooky season interview, we'll be talking to father of three, Justin Shobe, about this questionable 1985 horror comedy film. All of these interviews were so much fun to record. I had such a blast hearing about people's experiences with spooky season movies and their experience with movies in general. So I hope you have as much fun listening to everyone's great stories and insights as I did recording them. Thank you for including Bring Your Own Popcorn on your trick-or-treat trail this holiday season. This episode is definitely one big treat. No tricks. This is like a king-size Snickers bar. So Sorry if you're allergic to nuts, but that just means you'll die and come back as a nut zombie. Chomp chomp. Stay spooky. I am here now with Melanie Ford, a comedian writer. They have selected a psychological thriller to speak about for their special spooky movie for this special spooky episode. Melanie, thank you for being on Bring Your Own Popcorn. Yeah, thank you for having me. To start us out, I want to get a sense of what your relationship is with movies. So I'm, I'm one of those people that I definitely love movies, but I'll convince myself that a movie is like too much of a time commitment. And then I'll watch like a two and a half hour long YouTube video essay. So like, <laughs> um, a little, little bit of flawed logic there. But I, I've wanted to like write movies pretty much my whole life. So like trying to get better at like consuming what I want to make. <laughs> and anytime I watch a movie, I pretty much enjoy it, even if it's really bad. That's awesome. Yeah, I love being able to enjoy things that are bad. <laughs> what yeah. would you say? What's the enjoyable part about a movie that's bad for you? I can't help but be visceral and physically respond to it. <laughs> I'm definitely like I yell at the TV. I, cool. I enjoy getting in that space. Yes, a passionate viewer, immersive viewer. I love it. <laughs> so other than the movie that we're going to talk about today, which you mentioned was very important to you, what is another one of your favorite movies of all time? Okay, there's two really good ones that I've seen recently. I saw Promising Young Woman about a week ago. Everybody should see that one. But also uh, Together Together is a movie that I don't think a lot of people have heard of. It's Patty Harrison and Ed Helms, and Patty Harrison uh, is a surrogate. Um, oh, wow for Ed Helms trying to have a kid. You you cry and then you're angry that somebody who like is so like crass as Patty Harrison can make you cry like that. <laughs> <laughs> what about Promising Young Woman? What's that one about? So Carrie Mulligan is a, she's a med school dropout who she goes to bars and pretends that she's really, really drunk and then lets men take her home and try to take advantage of her and then fucks with them. But it's a lot more than that. That's just kind of the opening concept if I get too far into it I'm gonna spoil everything I feel like a lot of non-men have the experience of a slow process over decades where you come to find oh there's literally no man around me that I can trust in mm. any capacity <laughs> like mm. um there's just this like growing bitterness that happens and that's like 
condensing that experience into an hour and 45 minutes, mm -hmm. which is like cathartic. And I also think could potentially help people that aren't there get it. That makes a lot of sense. And based on that description, I think Promising Young Woman is a, a perfect title. And I definitely relate to that idea in the sense that I feel like sometimes older men are attracted to younger women for that exact reason, because younger women haven't been worn down yet by the patriarchy. And so yes. they have more patience, but then it's about to get worn out and it sucks. Yeah. We will get into your chosen spooky movie for this episode. It is a 2005 feature film starring Elliot Page. It was directed by David Slade and written by Brian Nelson, both of whom this was their debut. So this was Slade's di directorial debut and Brian Nelson's screenplay writing debut. Can you please give me a brief summary of your chosen movie, Hard Candy, in your own words? So Patrick Wilson is a photographer in his 30s, and he meets a young Elliot Page online who is uh, trying to navigate pronoun stuff. Um, yeah. Hard with this well, movie. Um, I would say if I could suggest that he's playing a girl. So I would think, yeah, yeah if we're talking about the character, then it's she, right? Yeah, definitely. She's, she's 14, very forward about being that young but like mature for her age and then like they meet and then it kind of seems like it's getting set up like it's going to be like a sexual encounter almost and then the tables turn and she begins to she drugs him and tortures him and then you know just it almost has like a like stage play quality to it where it's like this back and forth of like ideologies I guess. Yeah, I, I like what you said about the stage play. It definitely does have that because this all takes place in a very tight environment. It's most of it takes place in just one one house and one room, really, the vast yeah. majority of it. Please tell us the first time you watched this movie, how old were you, where, with who, what was your response and experience then, and has that changed over time? I was 15. I, oh, like, wow. Yeah, I pretty much saw it when it first came out. Uh, for some reason, I was like already obsessed with Elliot Page. He hadn't done <laughs> Juno yet, but I just, I, like I knew who he was. I really liked him as an actor. And then I found out that this movie was coming out and I was just like, oh hell yeah. And so I, I just remember like watching it alone in my little MacBook and just being like, whoa. <laughs> like, <laughs> what was your emotional response like that first time? I mean, first of all, it's like visually a very engaging film. It has very intentional color usage which you know I, I hadn't seen movies that were like that type of stylized before and so I was like really intrigued by that also because I was that young I don't think I had really seen a movie before that like presented pedophilia is bad but also presented well this is how you this is how you get here this is how you justify it this is how you minimize it I, I hadn't really experienced like that kind of like nuanced conversation in a film before and obviously like I think everyone has uh, a pretty strong reaction to the spoilers, um, a pretty strong reaction to that castration scene. It's a lot. Feel free to spoiler. We'll, we'll spoiler the heck out of it. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so I had never seen this movie and I was glad that you suggested it because I don't know if I would have sought it out without having like the encouragement of someone else, like who I respect suggesting it. And then also knowing that we are going to be able to talk about it. I don't know if I would want to watch this movie if I didn't know that there was going to be someone to talk about it with after. It's very intense movie. It's empowering in that it flips a trauma script kind of on its head. 
because something that happens a lot or that we see a lot in films is women and girls being victimized, especially in the horror genre. And we don't generally see them fighting back against that, or rather we don't see them ever winning that fight or ever taking the power, turning the tables with the exception of the final girl, which is a horror trope, which is like all the girls die except the virgin because she resisted sex. And so she gets to live in this, the, the potential victim becomes the one with the power. And you can't even say that she becomes the predator because she's not a predator. She's, she's killing the predator. Right. (laughs) And that's good, (laughs) but it brings up so many, so many nuanced emotions. It's a, it's a very intense watch. If applicable, how would you say this movie changed your life? I was going to say, I was going to be like, you know, it elevated my taste, but then I remembered being a teenager and like the (laughs) next movie that I was obsessed with for a couple of years was Silent Hill. So I can't can't say that. I think it's less that like that movie changed my life and more that like my experience with that movie changes as I age and I watch it because I probably watch it like every uh, probably two or three years. I remember being like about Haley's age and just being like, oh, like, I don't know. I kind of understand where he's coming from. I don't know. Maybe Haley's being a little harsh and rigid. Like, Um, and then I watched it again, like, last summer and I was just like fuck this guy (laughs) (laughs) and this is now I've heard this shit a hundred times a million times in the last like 16 years so like um you know I'm whatever like okay whatever you're sad you don't get to diddle kids like and so having this like little barometer in my life and and I have the feeling too that that experience will, will evolve further because I'm gonna keep changing so yeah I can definitely see how viewing this movie would have different evolutions throughout different phases of life, especially as we were saying earlier in regards to promising young women, the way that you, when you're younger, when you're a woman (laughs) uh, or a femme presenting person, I guess anyone, when you're younger, you have more trust in people and you want to believe the best in people and you want to just like be yourself and be taken for who you are. and because of the patriarchy and normalized misogyny and normalized sexism, normalized abuse and trauma, that's not going to be the case. And the more you trust people, unfortunately, the more you're going to end up in shitty, shady situations. And that sucks that it's, it's this like built-in evolution, particularly if you're a woman or a femme presenting person. Yeah. I wish I could say like, oh, I watched this movie and like I was ahead of the curve and I liked it. <laughs> saw it coming and I just didn't. There's definitely just a list of scumbags in my teens to like mid twenties. It was just like, this man should not have gotten the first chance. <laughs> like, Yeah, I, same here. And that's what sort of makes this movie kind of cathartic is that I don't know about for you, but for me, the people who have been abusive to me, I I haven't cut their balls off. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I haven't I haven't hurt them at all, physically yeah. or emotionally, really. Mm-hmm. And I and I don't want to, but it's still kind of cathartic to just see that power flipped around. Yeah. And you know, th- that element of it for me too is like I had bad experiences very young. <laughs> 
everything about kind of like the the, the stereotype of a predator in your head just the complete opposite <laughs> it was like my perpetrator you know I think something like hard candy kind of spoke to me as I was like you know kind of beginning to have an adult brain and beginning to process things more complexly because there was that catharsis of like yes I would like to you know I would like that revenge also like this is like somebody I care about uh, so I also don't and I also want to desperately understand why yeah that makes sense and thank you for sharing that mm-hmm. this is definitely a movie that brings up a lot of those kinds of feelings do you recommend people watch this movie in general or do you recommend for specific people to watch this movie? You know, I do recommend that people watch this movie, but I also, I can't remember specifically who, but I know that there's been a couple of times that I've been like, you should watch this movie. This is the movie. And the person has been like, I don't think I'm going to be doing that. And I'm like, I understand. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, Cause it's a lot. It, it's, been very rare that I have encountered somebody and I've been like you have to see this movie and they've been like I've seen it already I think it's one of Elliot Page's best movies I think it's one of Patrick Wilson's best movies and I just think it's like in general pretty underrated yeah I was really surprised to see that it had a 64% on Rotten Tomatoes I think like wow what the fuck (laughs) I get if it's like not your cup of tea or if it's like too intense but how many of those ratings do you think were just like actually it's evophilia (laughs) oh god yeah (laughs) yeah as I was saying that I then realized I've looked at the like demographics of Rotten Tomatoes reviewers before and it is mostly white men so yeah they might not like they might just not appreciate seeing one of their own kind (laughs) being right castrated (laughs) yeah pretty much I do have to like point this out because it's like a, a bit of a well actually moment but also because a lot of people don't catch it the first like couple times they watch the movie she doesn't actually cut his balls off right yeah no, oh yeah <laughs> sorry oh, no, to okay. explain that I remember <laughs> being like very confusing for people like when it was like really early just everybody being like did she didn't she what the fuck's going on like because he's like you know it's not very clear speech and he's so emotional and all this stuff you know I find that interesting in this movie too and and, and it's a bit of a thing in, in promising young woman as well is there's these implications of violence you know uh, uh, eye for an eye but then it's not Mm. and it's more just like the head game of just like I'm gonna make you think that this happens because you feel like you deserve for this to be happening to you and I just want to instill the fear in you and then let you deal with that because that alone is enough it's actually the worst part sometimes yeah, um, and I think that was a deliberate choice on the on the behalf of the filmmakers because it mirrors the exact abusive dynamic that you usually see in rever- in reverse because abusers and people who are pedophiles use those tactics, use manipulation and gaslighting and psychological terror to get what they want to take from their victims. And so that's exactly what Elliot's character is doing when they pretend to castrate this guy. Is it's just a total psychological mindfuck yeah any other thoughts or comments about the movie we've pretty much covered all the bases (laughs) (laughs) awesome well thank you so much for being on the show melanie can you let the listeners know where they can find you online yeah so i am on instagram as malagna or spelled like baloney but with an (laughs) m and then the second o is zero um (laughs) and then i'm on tiktok also as Malagna, but the second O is 
just an O. Can I just say that I love your social media handle? Because also, like, it's spelled Malagna, like how Bologna is spelled Bologna. But also, does that mean your name is Maloney? (laughs) (laughs) It makes me laugh, like, every time I see your name scrolling by. Thank you. There's Maloney. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here now with Dustin Harmon a filmmaker and Halloween enthusiast. Dustin, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. So to start us off, I love to get a picture of what your relationship is to movies. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, I went to school for digital film and video production. I mean, I've, I've always had a love for movies in general. I used to say ever since I could, I'm going to age myself, ever since I can hold a a video recorder <laughs> and it did record to VHS um, wow. <laughs> I know you're like wow this guy is so old <laughs> uh, my my love for film goes deep into my own brain on a daily basis I always imagine how would this look through the eyes of a camera and whenever I seem to tell a story I go like oh imagine if this happened and then the camera pans over here that's just the way my brain works yeah or if people who have watched scrubs cuts away for like a moment of imagining what could happen and it's completely exaggerated that's how my brain works in so many different moments throughout the day i I probably watch more movies and tv shows than i should at this point it's probably should be a prescribed and or an addiction at this point (laughs) (laughs) so it sounds like basically your brain is a movie Yes, I have my own soundtrack too. <laughs> Do you have a theme song? I don't have a theme song, but if I did, I'd probably rewrite the words to like the Spider-Man theme song, <laughs> like from the old 80s like yeah. TV show. Dustin Man, Dustin Man. <laughs> Other than the movie that we're talking about today, which you selected because it's meaningful to you, what's mm-hmm. one of your favorite movies of all time? It's, it's one of those things where you, your brain starts to go, okay, well, which genre? Because I feel like there's a favorite movie in each genre. And I, <laughs> and I, I try to like break it down. I'm like, oh, this, this one has my favorite actor in it. Truthfully, yeah. like if I, ha- like at the end of the day, someone was like, you can only watch one movie for the rest of your life. Well, first of all, I'd probably be like, okay, well, that's it. It's over. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I feel as though it has to be Fifth Element. Because I feel like this is one of those movies where it was epic uh, like in its own time. But then if you go back and watch it now, the animatronics, the the graphics, all of that still, like at least to me, still holds its own like you look at it, you're like wow like this is great the, the storyline in general is amazing too yeah really fun storyline and the costume design and just the color scheme that's just like a fun movie to look at even if you had it on mute it's just still fun to see <laughs> <laughs> now that would be a challenge <laughs> you know what's funny about that is that I did that once with uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, man. And turned out, like, reading the subtitles makes Mm -hmm. it just as funny. It was, like, a group of us, like, had watched it one night. And for some reason, like, we had muted it. But then we went back to watching the movie without unmuting it. Uh So we started taking roles on who would, like, who would do what. It's kind of like how people watch Kung Fu movies on silent. Yeah, that's so fun. <laughs> I want to do that on purpose. Like just kind of a movie night where we do that. I love it. Yeah, that'd be fun. So for the movie that we're discussing tonight, 
It is a 2005 horror film starring Ryan Reynolds and Melissa George. It was directed by Andrew Douglas, who does not have a clickable name on Wikipedia, which I assume means he, he has no other films. <laughs> he's out. Like he's like one and done, right? Yeah. One and done director, Andrew Douglas. We are talking about the 2005 remake of the Amityville Horror, selected by Dustin. Dustin, can you please give us a brief summary of your chosen movie in your own words? So this family moves into this creepy, like gorgeous looking house in New York City, right? I think it's Long Island. Is it Long Island? They move into this Long Island home and it's haunted by, by these spirits who were murdered in the house. And turns out this man who was a, if I'm not mistaken, he was a priest, but he would murder Native Americans. But fast forward, these spirits are causing kind of havoc to this family. And of course, the original story of the DeFeos, who were originally you know, killed in the house, the eldest son went around the house while they were sleeping and shot all of them. And for some reason, it only really affected like the eldest son. Now, in this case, the character uh, played by Ryan Reynolds, George, George Lutz, it would start affecting him. And what's kind of like crazy, and you notice in the movie, you know, when he leaves the property, he's fine. But then when he's on the property, you can see the complete change in his demeanor. And without giving anything away from there, like it just starts to get even more and more and more crazy. It's one of those things where it's like, what kind of summary can I give? Like, I know like a little, a little teaser, if you will. Summaries are hard, even for movies that I've seen a bunch of times. Yeah. You did, you did great. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, tell us the first time that you watched this movie. Where were you? Who did you watch it with? What was your response at the time? And has your response then changed? Um, from the first time you saw it until now? So I've watched this movie so many times now. To see, 2005, I would have been just about to graduate from high school. But I just remember like this experience of this, not really change of genre, but sort of. All these movies that I've watched in the past were like, it's, you know, all blood and gore. There's probably boobs. Someone's having sex. Like all these like things that are normally like in there. I just remember like experiencing something completely different. And it was like, wow, like, this was great. Like, like, didn't need all of this, like, zhuzh, if you will, like, to, to creep you out. And ever since then, I'm just like, okay, love this movie. There's a lot of tropes that get touched on in horror films, including, like you said, a lot of gratuitous boobs where you didn't necessarily need to have boobs, Mm -hmm. (laughs) a lot of sex and a lot of getting killed for having sex is like a very common horror slasher thing and this definitely Mm -hmm. is a a bit of a different story from the usual i mean we do learn from scream scream 2 where randy teaches us all the rules of horror films so it's like don't have sex (laughs) right basic basically be a virgin and you're good yeah (laughs) don't say i'll be right back (laughs) yeah don't go in the basement without a flashlight (laughs) i assume i actually haven't seen scream 2 but i have heard about that scene it like taught a lot of people about about the genre (laughs) Mm -hmm. people who maybe didn't normally watch horror but they watched scream because it i think is marketed more as a like a comedy horror right i i always like laugh during that movie because there's so many hilarious moments yeah um i call it uh kind of like a slasher (laughs) rom-com 
<laughs> the first slasher rom-com. A <laughs> little bit of blood, a little bit of love, you know. <laughs> so Amityville Horror, how did this movie change or impact your life, if applicable? Yeah, I mean, I already had a love for the genre. And I grew up, you know, loving those moments where I can jump out and scare people, which that probably branched into the now multiple short films that I've done myself, where my goal is to scare people. But I think one of the things that kind of like stemmed from this one, and, and I'm sure like a few other movies, where using using the story, using the jump scares, using different ways to tell a story, but also scare the crap out of people. That was a huge inspiration for me and a huge inspiration for all of the, you know, the few short films that, that I've done. And those kind of like changes the genre a little bit, because I mean, I feel like you, like we were saying before, you kind of expect, you know, oh, well, here's the sex scene. Okay. There's the boobs. Oh, she's dying. Oh, he's dying too. Like <laughs> it's, it's like these cookie cutter, if you will. And, and I can understand like, you know, some, some movies may call for a love scene. Fine, go for it. But there's a lot of like nonsense that gets put in there. So I feel like this opened up that door where it's like, okay, so it's okay for me to tell a story in a different way or, or kind of, you know, do more of my own thing. So that's kind of like, you know, that a little bit of that door that opened up for me also like challenged me to finally, so I think one of my one of my films, uh, actually, no, two of them, I actually made my own blood. I usually, like, didn't, like, dig that far into, into production. Into your arm. <laughs> into, my, into my arm. But, you know, you just have to give, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm all in. Um, well, because sometimes, like, when you're, when you're filming, of course, there's that fear of, like, oh, what if I have to get this scene again? So if you do a scene where you know, somebody dies and there's blood everywhere. Like sometimes it's a one and done take. So you have to like, be sure that you got it. So there's yeah. only been like two different films that I've actually like done fake blood. And thankfully like they worked out, but you know, it's, it's something that inspired me to like, okay, how can I take it further too, without having to, you know, give in to the, the classic, I'm holding up air quotes, but you can't see it. Uh, <laughs> like, like, the classic horror or slasher film things that, you know, don't really need to be there to, to tell the story. Well, that's so great. <laughs> Thanks so much for sharing your, your thoughts and perspective on this film. Do you have any other last thoughts on it or anything, any enticing reasons why you think people should watch the film? Shirtless Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Definitely that. And he's very fit in this film. <laughs> he is extremely fit. Even to like, let's, let's add this as an asterisk to how did this kind of like change or even like my first impression of the movie too. And in 2005, I myself wasn't even out of the closet at all. Mm. And I just remember like sitting there, like all of a sudden shirtless Ryan Reynolds shows up on screen and it's raining. I'm like, okay, so this bearded, he's soaked, soaking wet. He's running around in these like white pajamas. He's obviously not wearing underwear. And I'm just <laughs> like, maybe, maybe this is why like I, I didn't get as scared watching it because I was more distracted by him. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
He's but soothing, it was, soothing muscles. Yeah. <laughs> like to me, like this was, this was, you know, probably even more of like a sexual awakening, you know, like, yeah, I was like, oh, am, am I into this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm into this. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it's probably a mixture of, of that. And then like my love for horror, I was like, oh, okay, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Love it. <laughs> but um, I, I would say one last thing about the movie fun fact and i learned this by watching some of the behind the scenes in an interview with him he actually explained that part of his like method acting was that he didn't want to really hang out or get to know the the kids that were in it Mm. because in the scenes where he had to be mean and chase them around with different weapons he he didn't want to have that attachment to prevent him from method acting Mm. and and I'm like oh that's awesome but that also kind of shows that like normally he would have like you know got to know them hung out like behind the scenes and been really cool but he didn't want to create that connection to to keep that role like as as great as he could get and scary as he could get what a what a cool choice Seems, mm-hmm. He seems like a good guy. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing these awesome facts and your experience with this film. And everyone, if you want to watch a movie that defies the usual horror genre and have a sexual awakening over shirtless Ryan Reynolds, Amityville <laughs> Horror 2005 is the movie for you. Thanks again, Dustin. And where can folks find you online if you want them to do that? Yeah, um, I actually... I do have some of my films on YouTube. I believe you can type in Valiant Viking Films on on YouTube. They should pop up. And then you can also, if you want to follow me on Lay TikToks, (laughs) essentially it's The Valiant Viking, but in between The and Viking, there's periods because obviously you have to make get really difficult for people to <laughs> to type things in yeah so I, I you know i make you want it you know <laughs> you gotta work for it yeah <laughs> you gotta work for it awesome thank you so much dustin of course thank you for having me at just sketch everything <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm here now with justin shobe father of three and a lover of movies Justin, thank you so much for choosing a spooky movie for us to talk about and coming on the podcast. Oh, absolutely, Aubrey. Thanks for having me. So to start us out, I would like to get a sense of what your relationship is to movies, like what kind of viewer you are and what your general experience is with movie watching. Yeah, this was actually like my favorite question because I've always felt I had a really deep connection with movies, actually. My grandfather, my late grandfather, who died when I was a teenager or whatever, I had a good relationship with them. And he owned a video store. He had a video store that he ran in this um, suburb of East Bay. So I could always go to the video store and always see granddaddy and and Grams, Grams and granddaddy, go to the video store. I was a little kid, right? Running around. Mm -hmm. He ended up kind of part of his retirement, I guess. And he never really like made a lot of money or anything, but He did that and then he turned it into a video delivery store so that he could just kind of be home with Grams. And he loved movies and he had a wall of movies in his garage that all labeled, all special case. And it was called Ladybug Video. 
And he delivered them out of his Volkswagen bug and Aww. put a little picture of a ladybug on the side, got a paint job and everything. Oh, I and love that. It was beautiful. So totally I like to say that my my granddaddy, you know, started Netflix before Netflix knew who they even were, you know. <laughs> People that invented Netflix were probably still in grade school or whatever. I don't know. He would, you know, drive these movies around. I'd, I'd go with him. They'd call him. They'd say, hey, do you got this? Do you got the new releases? Back then, you'd go into the video store. Everybody's got a fond memory of, like, going into the video store. It was kind of like you could spend a lot of time there. I did anyway, figuring out what I would pick. <laughs> you know, like anybody, had my own kind of upbringing tumultuous kind of things going on step parents kind of chaos kind of in my life but this was like a fixed point for me this was like good you know the way I watch movies is a lot of nostalgia so there's movies that have captured me over time that I have like completely come to love and a lot of them are very cheesy okay because I think a lot of like my movie watching connects back to my childhood and like in really distinct way um, but like I still watch new movies and be affected by new forms of art and all that kind of stuff and I, I'm kind of a sucker for cheesy movies I guess it's usually ones with kind of a message kind of like so you feel like you learned something I feel like I've connected with people through movies you know <laughs> like yeah it's kind of a part of my mindscape is there so yeah great answer and I love the story with that story you really captured kind of what the heart of the question is which is getting at the fact that watching a movie is an experience like we don't watch movies in a vacuum I would say we've lost some of that in that it's just become easier and easier to get access to movies and it has become less of an experience because you can just open an app on your phone and watch any movie you want at any moment but you're talking about when movies were really a full experience like the experience started when you left your house to go to another building and wander <laughs> wander around that building and have no idea what what might be inside these boxes except based just based on the pictures that you see and i know that's probably been said but it probably can't be said enough people need to say it because it's totally going to be gone right that whole experience i hate scrolling i just hate thumbing through options and it trying to figure me out or whatever. I, I like having a geographical like reference point for the movie. Like I'm going around this video store and I'm, I'm figuring me out as I walk through there, I guess. Your answer really got at the heart of the fact that you're definitely someone who experiences the whole experience of watching a movie rather than just sitting down for 90 minutes and shutting your brain off. So I love that answer. Right. I delve in for sure. I like to feel it. <laughs> So my next question is, other than this one, what is one of your favorite movies of all time? But I get the sense that this, the movie we're talking about tonight is not actually one of your favorite movies of all time. So uh, sk no. <laughs> skipping over that, what is one of your favorite movies of all time? So I picked that movie because we we're on a Halloween prompt and it's something that affected me because it goes straight back to my child. It's like the intro to Halloween, it's a horror, I mean, genre, but my favorite, definitely not. Like I watched it again. I'm like, Please, I'm, I'm so sorry you had to watch it. <laughs> it was awesome. But uh, a lot of the favorites. Um, I'm just going to go straight with the most unassuming. Like, it's it's cheesy. It's not trying to be more than it is, which is an action. It's got comedy. It's back from, like, 90s. The Fifth Element with Bruce Willis. It was kind of before its time, in a way. It, it just had a certain kind of 
spunky. I liked movies, especially in the 90s, that like had like a rhythm to them, you know? I don't know if you know what I mean. Like there's like a kind of a cadence with the humor, the wit, and the music. I guess all movies do kind of strive for that, but it's even in the body mechanics and the way they kind of do action or whatever. The Fifth Element, because it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Every time I watch it, I walk away feeling better than when I didn't, than before watching it. That's awesome. Yeah. I, one of my other guests had the same favorite movie and like the same kind of experience of that movie. So that's really interesting. Yeah. That's Um, a good one for me. I don't know that I pick up on rhythm, but I feel like that's a movie that has a lot of cohesion. Like it's very self-contained in a, in a, like a reassuring way. Cause it knows what it, what it is and what it's doing. It knows what it is, what it's doing. And it's, it's fine with being that damn cute. You know, it's not, <laughs> it's not apologizing for being that damn cute, you know, yeah. and it's, it's bringing you there and it's got the right actors, you know, I mean, it's got Bruce Wallace, like I said, but uh, I, I like Jovovich and I, I haven't like followed her much beyond that, but I just loved her in that. And the bad guy who's in everything, right? He was in Dracula, the Harry Potter's uncle who's serious. He, Gary he, Oldman? Gary Oldman. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Gary yeah. Oldman's solid. He is solid. He's yeah, like, he's got a wide range. Yeah, anyway. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So the movie that you have chosen for this prompt, which was a spooky Halloween movie that had a significant impact on your life, is a 1986 American comedy horror film directed by Steve Miner, co-written by Fred Decker, screenplay by Ethan Wiley. We're going to be talking about 1986's house Justin, so sorry please. <laughs> please in your own words any words that you want please give a brief a brief summary of this movie it's probably just like the, uh it's 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 a steamy heaping pile of 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 shit without <laughs> without like any effects you know at all like put into that steaming heaping pile of shit just like a like a one dot like a pile of like dollar store like piles of shit you know um probably fifty dollars at most um you know they didn't want to you know make the pile too big but it's about a house (laughs) that dude i'm just gonna tell you what it's about in my own words right it's about a house it's haunted right and like it's got the writer who was right to horror movies and lost his son, his wife's leaving him, whatever. And it's got these, it's it is comedy, so it's got this like hell of annoying na- neighbor situation <laughs> and really like really dumb cops. It's mostly the camera in the main guy's face as he reacts to people. Mm-hmm. And the house caused his uh, his aunt to commit suicide and is trying to do the same to him and putting all his bad shit in his face, like just making him relive the worst of it, like Vietnam, his son drowning in the pool, like all this stuff. So, and he has to overcome that. So that's, that's what it is. Good summary, (laughs) especially the beginning. (laughs) Right. Nice. Thanks. (laughs) Tell us the first time that you watched this movie, where did you watch it with who and what was your response at the time? I can't exactly remember if the movie came out, you said in 86. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm thinking I was like fourth grade, maybe 90, maybe. I, I was really interested in scary movies and I had, you know, a group of friends, people that would, that would bit no scary movies, but I didn't really know scary movies. And I was interested. I had one cousin in particular who was really getting into it. She was a little, just a year or two older than me. And we, we ended up watching a lot of scary movies together. Cause I think before this, I had maybe seen like 
like Friday the 13th or parts of Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm sure I've seen Gremlins, you know, I've, and I was intrigued by those, but I don't remember exactly where I was. I just remember really kind of how I felt when I watched it. And then deciding, actively deciding to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you feel? What was your response? I think it had all the parts that I needed, like as a kid, like it was like accessible, like it was an introduction to horror movies for me. It was I didn't understand horror comedy. They didn't have a genre at the movie store that was horror comedy. I was like, this is horror. Like, look, <laughs> yeah. it's rated R. <laughs> yeah. There's not a drop of blood in it. The hands are dollar store ripoff things. I mean, everything <laughs> there is as little effort as possible. You know, there was parts to it, like this might've been the comedy part of it. It almost made it kind of indie. And it was almost in that vein of Evil Dead or Evil Dead 2, you know, Army Darkness, whatever. I mean, Sam Raimi had a lot more artistic stuff going for him. It tried to do some weird camera angles that I, I, I didn't know how to evaluate that shit. I was just like, whoa, this movie's different. <laughs> you know, it was kind of hitting me in a different way. And it was scary, but I was like, I came through it. I was like, oh man, I know I'm not going to wet the bed on this one. Like, I know <laughs> I got it. I got it. Yeah. He came out. It was a happy ending. Like, it's not a horror movie. It's a happy ending. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that final shot that the camera just zooms into his face and freeze frames with like happy music. <laughs> <laughs> like, no way. This, this should not be. This is in the wrong aisle. <laughs> just a heartwarming it, family tale. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe that's that's really so I can probably convince myself I could handle scary movies because of that movie. And then I watch actual scary movies that fucked me up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that I did. No. And I dug it and I actually dug it. There's different types of scary movies and all that. What I like about it is more of like the really intense sci fi thing, you know, and I think that's, you know, something that makes you think differently about reality, but has this scariness that grabs you at a deep level that like makes you vulnerable and like makes you completely in that in that story. I feel like that is something that horror tries to do in general. Like I think that is what horror is if it's good horror. <laughs> I think this film is is a bit of an anomaly in that it misses a lot of what you typically find in a horror genre film. The only consistency it really has with other horror movies is just, you know, jump scares and the the score is by the same guy who scored the Friday the 13th series and oh. scary suits, scary looking monster suits. Thing. Yeah. They were monster suits that, that, you know, they were like, they were dry, you know, mm -hmm. like they were clearly just fabric or whatever, Foam. you know, yeah. like, just like rub some baby oil on it or something. Like make it, make it glisten a little bit. You know? Yeah. I had a thought though, near the end of the movie where I was like, what if, this is one of those movies where you think you're watching one thing, but it's the whole thing is like an allegory for something else, which mm. could be that this guy killed his son and his wife. And then yeah. he invented this story in his head that it was the house all along. Yeah, I was thinking that this time. And I, I wonder if I was thinking that as a kid. I wonder if that was an angle I thought could be possible. I, I don't quite remember what I was interpreting at that moment, but I do know now when I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, I could see that. It didn't have enough of a psychological part. It had, it had the mechanics there for it, but it didn't do it. It didn't, yeah, the, didn't execute. Yeah. yeah, the psychological aspect that the writers seem to be trying to touch on was Vietnam PTSD, right. but it was, yeah, not executed very well. It, it didn't feel like it was written by someone who is actually familiar with what a veteran might go through. Um, yeah. 
like they just like sort of had an idea and ran with that without maybe like talking to veterans or psychologists. <laughs> I hadn't really seen any Vietnam stuff. This was actually my first time re- <laughs> really seeing a lot of Vietnam stuff on TV. Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't see like uh, a famous one. I can't think Apocalypse of right now. now. Apocalypse Now. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't seen that when I was that young. My first Vietnam thing was Forrest Gump. How would you say that this movie changed or had a significant impact on your life? Allowing me to feel like I can watch hol- uh, scary movies, horror <laughs> movies. From there, I was watching with my cousin, I mentioned, we were watching all kinds of scary. We did all the Nightmare on Elm Street, several, not all of the Friday the 13th, a lot of Stephen King, you know, Pet Cemetery. The stand, it all the child's plays. I love the child's plays. As a kid, it was definitely scary, but they they always win at the end again. I don't think my horror love, my love of horror movies extended too far later. Like I kept watching them from time to time as an adult or a young adult, but I, I wasn't consuming all of them. You know, like I watched one of the saws, I watched the screams, whatever. And just recently, Lillian wanted to start getting back into it. And I was like, yeah, I think I used to like scary movies, but really, <laughs> you know, and I think having this conversation was <laughs> like more, more obvious. No, I probably never really did like that much, you know, but uh, enough to say, yeah, I'll watch scary movies. Yeah. We're going to start <laughs> watching scary movies again. I can handle it. I've seen House. <laughs> I've seen House too. I can totally handle it. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like what you're saying is that House was your gateway drug to horror films and you got hooked for a while, but then you kind of kicked the habit after a bit. I would say so. But then I, I think I definitely liked the comedy horror. Like I yeah. was a huge fan of Evil Dead 2 and Hell yeah. Darkness. So- Those are good. Those hold up. What did your daughter Lillian think of House? She didn't watch it with me, actually. She was doing some stuff. Gotcha. gotcha. She's been busy. Do you think you'll I'm- have her watch it? or <laughs> Nope. <laughs> nope. I think she's, her gateway is past. She's got like YouTube and internet and like all kinds of things. And like, she doesn't need that gateway. So last year she wasn't really like desiring horror too much, but she really did want like some like mind bending movies, and things that like might be like more intense. We watched a lot of stuff, but because it was COVID and we were just in the house all the time yeah and so i can't even i honestly can't even remember everything we watched the matrix i was like hey we gotta watch the matrix oh hell yeah inception cool well thank you so much for recommending a movie to talk about and even um, though it's not you know these movies don't have to be good movies because what it's about is the feelings that they give you and the experiences that you have with them so this was a really good interview in touching on all of that your history with movies and the different feelings you have for them, and the way that you're able to adjust your perspective as time goes on, as you're exposed to more movies. Nice. Well, Aubrey, this was a very fun experience. Thank you so much for inviting me. I had a lot of fun. I always like telling people about my movie story, man. (laughs) I mean, it was important for me. So thanks. Yeah. Thanks so much for being on. Absolutely. Because my podcast is just about movies and feelings. So it's not about reciting facts or like knowing a bunch of Sweet. I've shit. got both of those. <laughs> Etch-a-sketch everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay.